Welcome to Med Spa Secrets. I'm Ben Chu. And I'm Jen Bullock. And today we're going to be talking to you guys all about emergencies. Emergencies happen. And specifically today we're going to be talking about VOs, vascular occlusions, uh, protocols, uh, compliance related to them. Do you have the resources on hand at your med spa to handle the emergency when it does happen? And uh, are you doing everything that you possibly can to make sure that you're going to be compliant, protect your licenses, and also minimize the risk to the patients? That's right. So it is not if, it's when. I personally had been injecting for five years when I experienced my first and only vascular occlusion. It was awful. I was doing a training situation, so I was recording it, and it ended up being the worst ever recorded vascular occlusion because most people just aren't willing to talk about it, and there's still a lot of shame around it. And But for me, like there really was, it taught me a lot about what I needed to know and the areas that I needed to personally dial in. So they happen, VOs happen every day in aesthetics. It's part of the known risk of injecting fillers and it's not discussed as much as it should be because a lot of injectors still don't have the right resources on hand to respond if they do. Just this past week actually, I ended up assisting with a VO from a local clinic nearby. Yeah. And when I realized that Essentially, there were several really big industry-wide issues that I think need to be addressed just to ensure that patients are safe. So before I tell you about this week, I do think it's kind of helpful if I talk to you about my own VO. Yeah, so I mean, definitely there are some major gaps in industry knowledge when it comes to handling VOs. Things are definitely starting to improve a lot because there's more and more education starting to be out there now. People like Julie Kaplan, who actually has some footage of the particular story that we're going to tell you about in her Patreon. People like Dr. Tim Pierce. So there is starting to be more and more information available out there, but I do also think that the industry is growing so quickly and so fastly. I mean, med spas, new med spas are popping up every day, everywhere. And the the pace of growth is outpacing the pace of education. So today, let's educate you. Uh, let's start off by telling a little story or your story of your first VO. Sure. So I was teaching another nurse and I was recording it because I like to do that when I'm teaching. I was being incredibly careful because when I'm educating, I always like to make sure that I'm following all the rules. I was injecting a patient that I actually had kind of given pause to because she happened to be somebody who was married to a very prominent vascular surgeon. And so that particular surgeon has a reputation of being kind of a bear. And so I was a little nervous about doing the treatment to begin with, but she's a lovely person, just a doll to work with. And going about my stuff, I did my first injection point at periosteum. I went to do the second one. I had aspirated for a good 30 to 45 seconds. I was on periosteum. And as I started to withdraw the needle, I saw a flash come up into the hub and I was just kind of like, whoa. And I stopped and I kind of paused and then I looked at the skin and it started to get pale and there was a little like nickel size area right on the left side of the nose there that I was like oh gosh that looks like a vascular occlusion and I didn't really know what to do and so I was like I'm just gonna get my Hyalinex I told the patient I said there's a little area that I'm concerned about I think we need to watch it and I did some massage I did some heat to the area and nothing really seemed to get better. So I grabbed my Hyalinex and I 
followed what I thought was the best protocol that I'd been taught and I flushed the area. But instead of getting better, it got worse. And it's and worse. And it started and to worse. spread. And I was lucky enough to have contact with Julie Kaplan, who has, I've taken several trainings with her and I called her and she was able to assist me because she just happened to be in town. And she said, gave me support over the phone and was just like, oh yeah, I just keep flushing this and that. And every time I flushed, it got worse to the point where almost the entire half of her, this patient's face was compromised. Becoming, and, I think, officially the recorded VO in medical aesthetics history. Yes. So Julie actually came down and assisted. Over several days, we ended up using a total of 51 vials of Hylinex and that it was still not clear. And so what we ended up doing at that time was before there was a lot of, there was two Clarius ultrasound devices in the U.S. at that point. There was one in Florida and one in Seattle. And Julie was new, the surgeon in Seattle, and she connected us up and Dr. Stella was gracious enough to meet me in her office on a Sunday. And so we flew this patient down first class, paid for her hotel, and Dr. Stella helped me resolve the VO. Now, Dr. Stella had a connection with the Vascular Institute in Amsterdam, and they actually like piped right into our the treatment room there. And even with ultrasound, because it was very, really very new, it took us a single vial, but about five hours to resolve it. And so really, really stressful incident, but we had a full resolution of that injury. And I mean, I learned a lot from that situation. There was some, was there some hyperbaric chambers in yeah, there, yeah. which I think was that before or after? That was before. So when okay. we were managing here locally, we got the patient in for some hyperbaric oxygen just to help support and make sure that she was getting as much support as possible. So we have a, a couple of clinics here locally and they were incredible as well. But so we ended up having to fly out, got resolution. It was an ideal outcome. It taught me so much. Having the worst experience possible created opportunity for me to establish really good protocols within my practice, but also to know that even in the worst case scenario, like I have the skill set and the relationships in place that even in that kind of an environment, we were able to essentially get full resolution for the patient and take a terrible situation, make it really pretty good. And right about what would you say the total dollar cost was on that whole whole oh, process? Oh gosh, I think it ended up being about 28000 when it was all said and done. Which guys, that is so cheap. That is so cheap compared to what you could be paying if you didn't have a dialed-in protocol, if you didn't bring in support, if you didn't take care of the patient, if you didn't get them in office to see them. I mean, $28,000 is cheap compared to losing your license, right. losing your practice, being in a lawsuit and being sued for, I mean, somebody's faith. We're talking almost unlimited liability. I mean, God, just the pain and mental anguish and suffering alone, right. not to mention the medical bills, is makes $28,000 look cheap. And I think that's right. a really great example of the lengths that any practice should go to when trying to resolve an emergency like Right. What happened? Right. Uh, point in case, it was the largest VO in medical <laughs> aesthetics history, so most of them are probably not going to cost yes. you 28000 no. But if they do, that's the lengths that you should go to. And I think it paints a really great picture 
in juxtaposition to what we saw and ended up dealing with the fallout from another meds, which I think would be a great story you could sure. tell us as sort of the, the opposition story to what people right. should do. So I was contacted by a patient who had come in previously for a consultation with me, but ultimately she got a gift certificate to another clinic because it was on sale. And so she went to the other clinic. She had kind of a weird experience during the injection where the nurse used a cannula and I think essentially had cannulated the superior labial artery, withdrew, ended up placing some filler in the same cannula hole and had created an occlusion. Now the nurse says that she didn't see anything that was problematic except a bruise at the time of injection and the patient said that she noticed it when she was driving home and she had gone kind of far out to it was a 40 minute drive or whatever from where she lived and so she tries to call them once she realizes that there might be a problem. Uh -huh. She sends a message to one of her girlfriends that says, yeah, that doesn't look very good. If you can't get a hold of him, you should call Jen because she's a friend of mine or a patient of mine. So she reaches out to me because she can't get a hold of the other clinic. And I said, oh, well, okay. I got on a FaceTime with her right away. I was like, yes, that looks like that's something that needs to be taken care of. I encouraged her to reach back out to the clinic because if I had to take care of it, it would be expensive. Uh -huh. I didn't really want to take on the liability or the process of, of dealing with it anyways. I don't know where she placed it. I didn't have records. It's always better for the nurse who had the issue to resolve it as well, right? So she tries to get a hold of him, can't. I was able to get a hold of my rep who reached out to the office manager, were able to connect them up. The patient, I said, just make sure that whatever you do, you make sure they flush it and that make sure you get full resolution. So she hooks up with them. I don't hear anything from her that night, but the next morning I sent her a text message just to reach out, just to see, make sure she's okay. She said, oh, this is what it's doing now. I had to ask them to flush it. They didn't want to do it. They thought it was a bruise and uh, she sends me the picture and it is most definitely still VO. It's the most classic presentation of a VO you could see. And I said, you need to call them back. You need to go back in. She said, I don't feel safe going back there. I had to ask them to do it to begin with and they didn't want to. And she oh. said, I don't, I don't feel like they know what they're doing. So I reached out somewhere along the lines. We had contact with the medical director who asked for us to assume care, sent records, and I saw the patient about 30 minutes later. So Yeah, and I think that's really where actually your front office staff can help you out a lot. Because while Jen was in with patients, the front office staff was able to coordinate with the other medical director to actually like connect to them and get information flowing between the medical minds. So anyways, we were able to get the patient in. I assumed care. We flushed. We and we got full resolution. But ultimately, I think it really brings up unpopular opinion that I'm gonna share with you now. And I think that has to do with when we're managing clinics that are owned by either maybe an esthetician, a non-medical provider, or a nurse-owned clinic with off-site medical directors, I think that sometimes that, that can create some pretty significant problems with the this patient safety and ultimately care. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think it's something that, first off, it's not wrong to own a med spa if you are not a medical provider. There's just certain ways you have to go about it, and it's going to be different from state to state depending on what the laws are, but you can definitely set up a management service organization and take care of all of the business parts of a med spa and have a working and business relationship with the medical providers and the medical director. But I think we've seen a growing segment or a growing percentage of the the med spa world where not only are there not qualified medical providers who are owner operators, that's not the case, because generally speaking, most docs and NPs that own practices are their own medical directors. But then you end up with these situations where again, it's like a tattoo artist or an esthetician or even an RN and the medical director is frankly really far away. And in the case that you had to resolve, the medical director was over four hours away. I do know that while that is starting to be more popular, like maybe we should look at the hospital world that many of you all tried to escape from and take some of the good parts because do, do the hospitals ever have anybody on call four hours away? Never. When I was on <laughs> like, call at the hospital, <laughs> I was required to be within 20 minutes of the hospital. So I had to be able to get there and be ready to see the patient within 20 minutes. And so I really feel personally that that should be a very similar case in the situation with head spas because I think the most important thing is to be able to physically see what's going on with the patient and address it as it comes up. Yeah, do you think that maybe they wouldn't have needed to transfer the patient to us to resolve the situation, or maybe they would have been able to actually take care of it in-house and have a, a happy, satisfied patient yeah. uh, versus someone who now probably is never going to say a kind word about them again and is now basically going to be our patient for the rest of their life? Right. Well, absolutely. I think they're... When I, because I've, I've talked to both the nurse that was involved and the medical director somewhat briefly, and both of them have, you know, the nurse is saying, I followed the protocol. The medical director is saying they didn't follow the protocol. And ultimately it comes down to, did the patient get taken care of? Whatever the situation is. And maintaining that as whoever is injecting, that you have a protocol to follow, that it's an appropriate protocol to follow, and that the patient gets treated regardless of the situation. And the same thing is true for the medical director. If you have a provider that you can't ensure is following your protocol, then can you safely say that you are providing medical direction. I mean, there's just so much legality that comes into play there. And what I had talked to the nurse about, because we did a debrief, and I had shared with her, I said, in the hospital as a nurse, you have to think of it like this, regardless of who did what. If you are following orders, it is our job, and we have to know when we're giving a medication, what we're legally, like, is the medication dose safe? Is it appropriate? Do we know how to reverse it if something bad happens? Do we know the appropriate response? We as nurses, when we learn how to do those things, before we give a medication, we have to look those things up. It's like the five rights of medication administration, right? It's still true in aesthetics. So if you're given an order by a medical director and you don't think it's appropriate or it's not getting the result that it should, then it's your job to advocate for the patient, right? If you don't feel like enough about the medication, you shouldn't be doing it. Right. right. And, and point in case when this patient did go in, they were 
dramatically undertreated by comparison to what the standard protocols are for handling a VO. And yeah. when I say dramatically, I mean they received less than 10% of what right. should have been the prescribed dosage to handle the VO. Right. So that brings up some good questions to ask. Like during a situation like this, like what kind of responsibility does an RN have when following orders? If that really was the, the treatment protocol that they had, I don't know how that could have been. Like where does the liability end up? Is it on the medical director for, and please, we're not lawyers. We're no. just from our own understanding of like maybe applying the situation to us because we work very hard to be in compliance. Like, if we did the exact same things, would the liability be on you as the medical director or the RN or the owner or really everybody if the patient yeah. lost their face ultimately? Yeah, well, I think there's shared responsibility, but we're all required legally to know what to do, right? So, and if you're not sure and you're working in the field, then you need to get more training. There are some incredible courses out there. Dr. Tim Pierce has a course. I know that Julie Kaplan does a lot of information and education on her Patreon, how to respond to VOs. I mean, she assisted me with my own. There are a lot of really good resources out there and it's your job to ensure that if you don't know enough that you are getting the training. But right, so like what this nurse should have done instead of what she did, was well she should have flushed with a whole lot more Hylinex. <laughs> I mean that's the basic so let's just talk about like if some of the basics of a response to an emergency like this first and foremost if if the situation happens in office respond immediately open up your protocol contact your medical director if it's not you and start to respond immediately if the patient calls you later, because sometimes there's stuff that'll pop up you uh -huh. know, when they're at home. Sometimes there can be swelling. Sometimes there can be, sometimes there'll be a bruise that had a little hematoma that blew into the vessel. There can be a lot of different stuff. So sometimes it's not apparent right off the gate. First and foremost though, as soon as you know that there's a problem or the patient expresses that there's a concern, see them in person. It's always a good idea. It doesn't matter whether it's in the evening, whether it's on a weekend, see them in person and start treating as soon as possible. Having the appropriate amount of medication on hand and if you don't have the means to have 36 vials on hand having relationships established with other providers in the area so that you can get what you need if you need it be willing to ask for help having relationships with other injectors and if you don't locally if the environment doesn't support that being connected in with some of the nurse injector forums. Yeah. The trainings that you take with advanced level providers should also establish you the relationships with those people. So if something happens, you can reach out for help, right? When I had a situation, it was, I had taken some classes with Julie. I was already connected with her. I sent her a text message and she responded and that her resources were invaluable to me to help me with that situation. You should always have heat on hand. All of your connections with hyperbaric oxygen therapy should be beforehand. If, you know, God forbid you have actual retinal involvement and you have a patient whose vision is disrupted, you need to have a contact with a retinal specialist. Those are all the things that you should have in place and also just the resources for the prescriptions that are gonna assist the patient if they need them. We're 
talking about an anti antibiotic if they need it, antiviral if they need it, some sort of systemic vasodilator like Cialis or Viagra, getting them an aspirin right off the gate, a sedative if they need it for anxiety or sleep, and you continue to see them every day in office until you get full resolution and you're sure that they're fine. And if you can't get it, know how to get them help from somebody. So, I mean, it really sounds to me like we've got kind of a couple examples from our history, both in office and in other people's offices. We've got a really good example of how to deal with the VO and then a really kind of not so great example. And kind of what I've learned from looking at these two is that when you have one, it really sounds like you just have to go on like full commitment, full attack, nonstop every day until it's actually resolved. You yes. can't poo-poo it. You can't sweep it under the rug. You can't say like, just send me a picture and then go just off of that. Like you've really got to be all in because like really everything is on the line for your you and your practice if it is an actual VO. Right. So like specifically though with vascular occlusion, like how important is the timeline to flush the the injury? Is it like, do you need to get them in like as soon as you have any inkling that something might go yes. on? Is it okay if it's just the next day or no. like? It's right off the bat. As soon as you have a concern, you need to see the patient in office. You have three days between the incident and before we start to see like tissue necrosis. And so it's right off the get bat. And for, I mean, even just in this last situation that I assisted with, I saw the patient for three days in a row and she got everything. We got good cap refill. Everything was great. And then the next day it was sluggish again. And there was a small area that was still pale. So she came back in, we did it again got great flush and then the next day there was she called back I saw her again there was just one small area that I was still concerned about so sometimes things will look like they're progressing well but if you stop at that point that's where you're going to see tissue breakdown and an injury so you see them every day you follow it until it's through and even if you end up transferring care to another provider the biggest piece of advice that i could give to you and what i saw that really worked or was appreciated by my patient in my vascular occlusion is never abandon the patient show up to the appointments take them to the appointments make sure that they know that you care and that you're present and you're there with them and pay for it make sure that they don't have any financial disturbances in their life because of the emergency it does not mean that you're liable for it, it doesn't mean that you did anything wrong in my situation my patient had like really unique deviant arterial formations it was just the perfect storm that could have happened but when it was all said and done both her and her husband said, I am so glad that if this had to happen, that it happened with you because I felt safe and I felt taken care of and you went to all these extra lengths to make sure that I was okay. And I mean, ultimately, I think that that's where we see how our patients aren't gonna wanna come after us. And yeah, if they feel taken care of, if they feel loved on, if they feel like you did everything you could, I mean, there's really no bad blood to be had. And so I mean, kind of to wrap up, I mean, emergencies happen. You have to make sure that you have a plan in place. If they do, you need to put the time and training in to make sure that the plan that you have is a plan that's 
actually medically effective and is going to actually treat the situation. You need to make sure that you're building relationships with people in your area and with trainers so that you have other resources and opinions and other eyes to draw on or people to refer to if it's outside of your expertise. And you need a good source and a good stockpile of Hylodex. That's right. <laughs> so again, thanks for coming and watching another episode of Med Spa Secrets. If that was valuable to you, please subscribe and smash that like button. And we hope to see you on the next episode of Med Spa Secrets. Bye, guys.